0: You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at
1: GraceSolado.com. The scripture lesson this morning is read from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. When it was evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed in them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any... They are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, called twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, If I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. A week later, his disciples were indoors again and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. And look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus performed many other other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: thank you bill for reading some of the greatest news that we can ever imagine i again welcome you on this resurrected sunday morning i welcome you to celebrate with us not just today but continually but i'm going to confess something to you as we begin our time together i want to confess it's probably not how you expected the easter sunday morning sermon to begin but I want to confess to you that I know that the church is guilty of sounding like a church. (laughs) The church is guilty all the time of using words that we call churchy words. We are guilty with, and I'm saying we are guilty, and I am unashamed in acknowledging this, that even last week we used these words. Such words. Right here in talking about what Christ has done on the cross, what he is doing for our lives, we used words like righteousness. We used sanctification, redemption, salvation. These are weird words that we don't use in other places in our English, right? We don't go to town hall meetings. We don't go to football games and talk about sanctification much. So the church is guilty of using these weird words, these beautiful, wonderful, churchy words. And you probably on Easter Sunday morning did not want to get caught up in what is churchy words and not churchy words. But here's the beauty and the reason why I'm saying this to you. Those are good words, beautiful words, words we hope in, words we hold to. But they don't matter without these three words. He is risen those are good words I love those words we talk about those words we use those words without apology but without these words he is risen those words don't mean much when we say he is risen we are proclaiming with great joy that there is no grave that keeps Jesus down we are proclaiming there is no tomb that keeps Jesus in and let's be honest those three words he is risen is good news but they're good news because of three other words that we should be saying with those three words you're like Jason you've already confused me we're talking about churchy words three words now you're about to bring on three other words well it gets more than that I want you to think with me how terrifying the news would be that he is risen if you had no confidence that he wants to bring you peace. How terrifying it would be that he is risen if you had no idea, no confidence that he wants Imagine the terror you might feel if you were alive back in these days, and you're hearing he is risen. And you know, just a few days ago, you were caught up in the mob yelling, crucify him. Imagine the terror you might feel. Maybe you weren't caught up in the mob saying, crucify him, but you definitely weren't vocalizing. You were Afraid, you were scared, and you didn't speak up on his behalf. Imagine maybe you were the one that would have been like Peter when he was arrested and and taken and he was being beaten. Somebody comes up to you and says, hey, you were with the carpenter. You followed him. Imagine if you were one of those that said, "I I don't know him. Leave me alone. And then on this day, you hear, he is risen. So just imagine, you don't have any other news than that. <laughs> imagine you are hearing, he is risen, and you know that you've rebelled, and you've sinned against, and you've argued, or you claimed, and you hear he is risen. But here's what's beautiful about the words, he is risen, are the follow-up words that we should always, for this point on, add with that. He is risen, and he wants us. It changes it, doesn't it? He is risen, and he wants us. We have evidence in these scriptures that we're looking at today. I read uh, about Mary Magdalene earlier, and then uh, we just read about the disciples here in John chapter 20, and we see this News that he has risen as good news because we see evidences here that not only has, does he have the power to overcome death and our sin, he has the love to come for us. These verses today remind us that he has risen is something we celebrate because we know that Jesus stands among us, that he stands with us, and he stands for us. Look at them briefly. We're going to kind of do a flyover over this whole chapter. There's parts of this, oh, I wish we could go down deep and just hang on to, but for time's sake, and I know your ham is cooking, so we won't do all of that, but we're going to do a flyover. First of all, let us celebrate that Jesus stands among us, that he wants us, and we see it in the story of Mary Magdalene. We see it here in verses 1 through 18 in this story. Honestly, if, if we we got to be honest here. We don't know all that much about Mary Magdalene, even though throughout church history her reputation has seemed to grow. We don't know much about her. One commentator says this. The Bible tells us that Mary had been the object of, God, of Christ's special grace. And we see from Luke chapter 8, verse 2, that, he, that Jesus had sent seven demons out of her, that she was assumed, it's important, she was assumed to have been a prostitute before Christ saved her, even though there is no historical scriptural information that supports that. In fact, here's how reputations get out of hand. By the 17th century, there was this word that was used to describe reformed prostitutes. You know what that word was? Magdalene. We do not know whether this was her case or not, but this is what history reveals. Christ saved her from something terrible, and she learned to love him. In verse 1 and 2, we see that she's coming to the empty tomb to do sort of the burial rites that are supposed to be happening. She ran to Simon Peter and said these words, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. I don't know where they put him. Then in verse 11, we see these expert researchers named Peter and John. (laughs) They took off. They wanted to see And they remained there in the tomb just long enough to go, "Uh, she's right. And then they took off. What did they do? They left her alone. So there is Mary again, feeling like she was before Christ ever came into the picture. Imagine the weight of her feelings and her fears. Before they took Jesus to the cross, Jesus was the one that gave Mary life. That gave her hope Gave her a second chance. He was the one that healed her, that invited her in, that brought her in and gave her purpose. She served him. She brought him joy in the fellowship. There was forgiveness in her life. There was hope. And now he's gone. And she weeps alone. She doesn't have time to imagine even what this is going to bring, what this is going to mean, that, that more persecutions come in her way, more imprisonment, more cultural abuses aimed at her. As She sits there alone. I mean, even John and Peter left her there. She is totally alone, but as we read and what we celebrate, is she is not alone. The risen Lord stands among her. It's not unusual for us to feel unqualified in the church, is it? It's not unusual for us to feel disqualified, to feel like we don't belong. I mean, in fact, we are gathered in a room with people that we call saints. And then there's us. It's quite common for us to be very aware of our past, to be very aware of our stains, to be very aware that no matter what anybody knows or doesn't know about us, we know about us and we know that in this room, there are times we feel we do not belong here. I should not be singing this song. I don't know why he would want me in this room. We know that there's times that we are in rooms like this and there are people who know plenty about us, plenty of bad things about us, plenty of things that they want to hold over our head that I wonder if it's so bad in your past, so bad in your, your reputation that centuries later, they have a word that describes your bad behavior. This is Mary. This Notice with me, it's the first person Jesus stands among. That should give us hope. The first person that Jesus stands among is the disgraced Mary Magdalene, the one that everybody leaves, the one that everybody understands has a sordid, haunted past. Jesus comes to her. The risen Christ says her name. And here's what's really cool. Mary is the first person that is given the voice to testify about the risen Lord. There are so many things that happen in the news media today where they pay millions and millions and millions of dollars to be the first with the news. Make sure you're the first. Make sure we're the first. We're the first. We're the loudest. We're the brightest. Come notice us. Here's all this money we're going to spend to make sure everyone knows the first news is coming from here. The first news usually isn't spoken from anybody that's not popular, has a lot of followers. Jesus, the risen Lord, brings her peace. Jesus, the risen Lord, communicates, I want you Mary. Overwhelmed with amazing joy, Jesus tells her, don't cling to me, Jesus said, since I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to, check this out, my Father and your Father. To my God and to your God, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Mary is included in the family of God, spoken by Jesus himself. You're with me. I am risen, and I am with you. I stand among you. The first person that Jesus sees, Mary. The first person that Jesus stands among, Mary. The first person that shares the news about Jesus rising from the dead and bringing peace, Mary. Mary. Of all the people that were nearest to Jesus, it was the one who likely had the worst reputation of all. Jesus stood among her first. This is beautiful for us for us. She's the first witness of the resurrected Lord. She's the first voice that can say, no grave keeps Jesus down. No tomb keeps Jesus in. And she could say, there is no sordid past or reputation that keeps Jesus away. I have prayed all week. I've prayed most of this year for all who would enter the room on this day, whether it be at 8.30 or 11 or online down the road, I've been praying that with all the churchy words we use, with all the ways you have felt inside the congregation of God, whether it's this one or another one, that you would have hope and peace in hearing this story from Mary, that Jesus, yes, is risen, we celebrate it, but he wants you, even you, even me, on Easter morning, Let us celebrate. There is no grave that keeps them down. There is no tune that keeps them in. And there is no reputation that keeps them away. Then we keep going to this next encounter with the disciples. Yes, there's more. That's what's great about the word of God. We could just keep going and there's another story and another story. But we're going to stop at chapter 20 here. The disciples, we see in verse 19 these words. When it was evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared God. The Jews. These true followers who were closer to Jesus than anyone were terrified. This is after John and Peter saw the empty tomb and they're terrified. Doors are locked. They saw his horrible arrest. They witnessed the false accusations. They saw the irrational mob. They listened to the unjust hearings and sentencing. They saw the gruesome murder of the one that they left everything to follow. Before this moment, these disciples were chill, right? Jason, is that a new churchy word that I don't know about? No, it is what you think it is. They were chilling with Jesus. They were relaxed with Jesus. There was no terror. There was no horror. He even warns them in the garden before they arrest him, be on alert, but they're chill, right? Like he goes and prays tears of anguish. They fall asleep. If you're terrorized and afraid, don't you have a hard time sleeping? They're not having a hard time sleeping. They go to sleep and all their relationship with Jesus and then they come and arrest them. And here they have, this is after the crucifixion, after the empty tomb, they are behind doors that are locked because they're afraid. They're afraid of the Jews. They are now adding to their list people that hate them. They think, imagine Jewish people who were once only terrified of the Romans. Romans mistreat them. Romans unjustly accused them, Romans would set them up and and torture them, and now they saw that this happened by their own religious leaders to Jesus. They're terrified. And it says in verse 19, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said some important words. Peace be with you. This is more than just a message that he is risen. There's more than that going on here. This is the risen Lord who came, who stood, and he spoke. He came, and that's important. If if I were a conquering king, if I were the conquering son of God, I was just abused. I watched them torture and abuse verbally. My mom and my friends, they chased them. They, they struck terror into everybody. I don't know if the first people I would go to would be my friends in a hidden room. I think I would be headed toward Pilate and Herod and the religious leaders. I am the risen son of God. You lost, I won, I'm coming for you. That's not what Jesus did. He came to them. Jesus came to the hopeless, the anxious, the frightened. He came to them, and this should remind us that when you are hopeless and frightened and anxious, Jesus wants to come to you. He wants you to know. He wants to hear. He wants you to hear what he did next. He spoke. He spoke words of peace. He came to them. He stood among them. This is important. He didn't float in. He didn't hover over them. This is an indication of the physical body of Christ standing before his friends. Also, we need to understand he didn't limp in. He didn't crawl in. He didn't say, "Whoo, that was a battle. I need some drink. Give me some wine. Give me something to eat. I need some refreshment. You don't know what I've been through. There's no indication other than he stood among them, giving us the picture that he stood in strength. He stood victorious. He stood ready not to be served, but to serve. He didn't need anything from them. But he stood among them. He came to them with strength and power and joy on his face. He says to them, peace be with you. It is the most important gift that they could have received from the risen Lord. In this visitation with the disciples, we see that there is no grave that can keep Jesus down. Yes, there's no tomb that can keep Jesus in. But also, we see there are no locked doors that can keep Jesus away from the ones he loves. And there is no fear or anxiety or shame that can push or keep Jesus away. This is what we mean when we say Jesus stands among us. He came to Mary. He came to the disciples, none of them deserving. But Jesus also stands with us. Just real quickly, we're going to look at verses 20 through 30. We're going to do it quickly. When Jesus stands with us, we see that he gives us joy. Look with me in verse 20. Having This is right after he just said to them, peace be with you. Verse 20, having said this, he showed them his hands, his side, So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. When Jesus stands with us, he gives us joy. They went from uninformed hopelessness to worship and joy. When Jesus stands with us, he gives us peace. Verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace to you. From fear and trembling, when Jesus comes To stand with us, he gives us peace. When Jesus stands with us, he gives us purpose. Verse 21 again, Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. From a purposeless future. They gave him everything. They left everything to follow him in these three days of terror, shaking. Oh no, we don't even know what tomorrow brings. All we know to do is lock the door. And Jesus comes, stands with them, gives them joy, gives them peace, gives them a purpose. When Jesus comes to stand with you and when you know that he's come into your life, you have a mission now, something, someone to live for. When Jesus stands with us, lastly, he gives us power. Oh, I wish we had more time here. Verse 22, after saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit from empty, weak, flesh-driven disciples. Now they are given godly power and wisdom. When Jesus comes to you and you surrender to him, he stands with you. And he, st- he stands with you because he stood for you. He came to die for your sins. He came to die for your sins and he conquered the death that you could not conquer. He did that not just so that you can use churchy words. He, used, he did that so that when you say with others, he is risen, you know he is risen and he wants Yes, he is risen, but yes, he wants you. Do you want him? Do you recognize your need for him? Have you been locking doors and running with a reputation and a stain that you're afraid of, that, yo, don't let anybody know this, don't let anybody see this? Jesus died for all of that, and he wants to stand with you to remind you he stood for you. We come to Thomas in verse 26 through 28. Again, don't have a lot of time to read all of this, but if you had to describe Thomas, what are some of the things, what is the one word that you know Thomas is known for? He is known as what? Doubting Thomas. Isn't that unfair? Thomas had convictional doubts. You heard the story when Bill read it. They they He disbelieved, but... He disbelieved in that moment because he wasn't with everybody else. Listen, they were all disbelieving. Mary saw the empty tombs. They saw the clothes. They didn't even believe. Where is he? I don't know what's going on. What's happening here? There is a such thing as convictional doubt that is good. It's a a passionate seeking. I don't understand what Pastor Jason understands. I don't understand what Shelly understands. I don't get what my Sunday school teacher gets, but man, I, I want to. I really want to. Jesus wants you. He came to Thomas. He showed him his hands and his feet, and he says here, You believe because you saw. And then he says, blessed are those who have not seen us and yet still believe. With Thomas, we see that no grave keeps Jesus down, no tomb keeps Jesus in, and there is no doubt that scares Jesus away from loving you. He is risen. He wants you. Jesus' resurrection shows us that he stands among us, that he stands with us, and he stood for us. And we see that really clearly in verses 30 through 31, where John records it this way. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written. They are written so that you, reader, so that you may believe. That Jesus is the Messiah. That Jesus is the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. For us to have life, we need to believe that Jesus Christ not only is risen, but he stood in our place for us. For us to have life, we must believe that there is no grave that keeps Jesus in. There is no tomb that keeps Jesus in or down, and there is no sin that keeps Jesus from saving us. Jesus paid it all, all. I don't know a lot. I'm glad that my friends did not say amen to that, but y'all know what I do know is what Thomas knows, what Mary knows, that without Christ, there is no standing, there is no hope, there's only doubt, there's not rejoicing, there's only misery, there's no purpose, there's only selfishness, no living for someone else else. And without Christ, there's no life, only death. Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. In John 10, 10, we read that. He goes on to say, but I have come that you may have life abundantly. I have come to stand among you. I've come to stand with you. I've come to stand for you in the place that you deserved. And this Resurrection Sunday, let us remember, let us celebrate. He has risen, and he wants me. He's risen, and he wants me. Let the history books write whatever they want to write about me for the next 16 centuries. All I know is he rose from the dead, and he wants me. No grave keeps Jesus down. No tomb keeps Jesus in. Also no reputation keeps Jesus away. No locked doors keeps Jesus out. No fear or shame keeps Jesus away from us. No doubt keeps Jesus from loving us, and no sin keeps Jesus from saving us. What do you bring to the table? The same as me. My fear, my anxiety, my sin, and I say to him, take it. Take it, risen Lord, and give me the new identity that is you. Let's pray. God, you are so kind, so kind to send your son to stand amongst us to stand with us, even though we have rebelled against him, even though we've been ashamed of him. You sent him to stand for us because we could not take it all. God, I thank you for all the churchy words that we have But I thank you that they all begin with He is risen and He wants us. If there be anybody in this room that for the first time believes that, I pray that right now they would sing louder and louder and tell somebody today of the joy of the day that they believed that Jesus came for them. Be exalted. Because we are in awe of you.